It's time for the Season 8 premiere of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast with your host, America's Recruiting Guru, Dan Tudor. Welcome aboard, Coach. That's right, Season 8 of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Tudor, and it is so good to be with you. Can't believe... We have done seven previous seasons. This one, I'm going to aim to make the best ever. Uh, But if you are a new listener, and we get them all the time, a new coach that has tuned in, let me remind you that once you subscribe to the podcast, you can go back into past episodes. The past seven years, we've been talking about recruiting, interviewing coaches, experts, guests, all sorts of good stuff in the the archives, you can go back and listen to those. And I I suggest that you do, especially if there's a topic that you are interested in that you're trying to figure out so that you can make your program better. And since we're on some housekeeping, just a little bit of a a reminder that you can always contact me, ask questions. uh, If you want to be on the show, if you have something that uh, is worth talking about and you have an experience you want to share, you have a question you want to ask, uh, we love that and your fellow coaches love it. And we can do it anonymously, so we don't have to highlight you with a question or something you're struggling with. But um, we do that all the time. Or if you just want to ask a question, dan at dantutor.com. That is my email address. You can also go to the website and look at our Honey Badger recruiting site as well as our regular blog. So the blog has been there for close to 20 years. We keep adding new content and articles to it. Honey Badger recruiting, which you can also find on the Dan Tudor website, is more kind of advanced, um, real-life sort of working examples of recruiting in action, what's working, and we usually save that for our clients. There's a lot of free stuff up there as well, Um, so if you want to check that out, that is really interesting. A lot of coaches like that, and then again, you can just keep listening to this podcast. You don't have to do any of that other stuff. Just tune into the podcast, and we'll try to um, uh, do good things for you and, and make you a better recruiter. And then, of course, also you can bring us in for workshops uh, as we start a new recruiting year, or you can talk about becoming a client, which all that information is on the website as well, or you can just email me, Dan at Dan Tutor, and I can tell you about it. So heading into the 2023-2024 recruiting year, there are some things that I want to remind you to do that haven't gone away. They aren't necessarily new But, well, there's actually one thing that are new. So three things that I would have you focus on before we get to our main topic and point for this episode as we kick off a new recruiting year. First of all, uh, I've gotten a lot of uh, emails, questions, texts from coaches over the last few months as we have gone through summer approaching this fall saying, hey, Dan, I know money was a big topic that we needed to focus on with recruits last year, a little bit the year before. Uh, Coming through the pandemic, obviously, there was a lot of concern about how much college was going to cost, and is it worth it, and all that. Are we going to have to do that again this year? And I'm starting with that question because the answer is yes, you are. Uh, Because the economy is pretty much in the same place that it was last year, which let's cross our fingers. That's a good thing. Maybe it's stabilized and inflation is uh, keeping uh, in check a little bit. But we're still hearing parents, we're still hearing families and recruits, actually, Talk about money as a prime driver in that decision. In fact, there's a lot of stuff we'll be going over in the workshops that we are scheduled to do this year to really dig into topics and, and research with with um, athletic departments on where money is playing the decision. 
and and how they're using it to make a decision. And it's not even who's going to give them the most, although that's becoming more and more important, which we've seen uh, now. Currently, we also saw it back in 2008, 2009, during the start of the Great uh, Recession. And so families react to economic conditions as it relates to college athletics, going to college, and they start factoring in uh, how much is it going to cost, which a lot of times does translate into who's going to give me the most. So you should still be talking about money as early as possible. Uh, If you have offers to give, and you have traditionally been the coach that says, we're not going to give our offers until they come to campus, and we're going to wait a week, and we're going to sort of make them prove ourselves to uh, prove themselves to us as coaches, um, if you ask me should we keep doing that or not, I would vote no because we're seeing a lot of families that will not even visit campus uh, without knowing that there is some sort of incentive, some sort of reason beyond just the chance to play for you that is um, that is at play. So money plays a big part. It continues to do so getting into this year. You can go to the, the blog and Honey Badger Recruiting, even these podcasts, and listen to all sorts of conversations and tips about money, how to bring it up, how to use it, even when you don't know what their offer is right away. Uh, all that information is on the website, so I encourage you to uh, to look at that, do a little research, and, uh, and, and get good at talking about money because it is, uh, it is a major factor in the decision. Uh, the other thing that I will say sort of has remained the same or that I want to bring up as an, as an important topic to talk about is social media. Now, I'm not encouraging you to do social media. I don't have to do that because every coach that we talk to is already focusing on social media. And sometimes, and this really brings up the point, sometimes it's a too much of a focus. Sometimes it is replacing the traditional written forms of communication, and that's a mistake, and we continue to see that uh, as a mistake. Um, this past summer, we did a big um, recruiting training day for all the coaches at, in the Penn State University athletic system. And we talked at their kickoff conference. And one of the things that we did was highlight a study that we did with many of their athletes on factors of, of what persuades them to go to a school or not and how they go through the recruiting process. And yes, they use social media. But just like we have seen in recent years, social media actually ranks last of all forms of communication in terms of them deciding, yep, that's the place. It has, yes, that school, because of all their social media, has justified that is why I'm going to go to that school and play for that coach. That just is not happening. And if it, when it does, if it does, we will talk about it. But right now, they use it for visual ideas of what it's like to be a student there, what it's like to be an athlete. They love the visuals. Uh, but there is so much noise going on and being driven at them through social media that they, uh, if, if you try to plop yourself into that noise, it's very hard to stand out and make a point when it comes to something as big as that decision. So it's great as an accent to everything else that you're doing, but if you're a coach that has abandoned other forms of communication, what I'm talking about is stuff like emails and letters, because if they're written right, they continue to be the main driver in changing minds and brand, establishing a brand in the mind of your recruit. Uh, if you're doing that, that's a mistake. Keep doing social media, but it has to be part of an overall reach. That remains the same this year. One of the new things this year that we saw a huge spike in, and we're continuing to see this as we continue to do our research to start the year with student-athletes that have just made the decision on where to go, and now they are freshmen on college campuses, 
is phone calls. We've seen a really fascinating change with phone calls that now they are the preferred first contact method of coaches out to athletes. That's from the view of the athlete. They want the phone call, which is counterintuitive because many of them, let's even say most of them, are horrible at phone call conversations. They don't know what to say, can't hold a conversation. You end up doing all the talking. Uh, so phone calls, we're going to spend a lot of time this year on making sure you're doing them right and understanding their role and their place in the the sort of the ecosystem of college recruiting because they do have a very specific place. They are um, they're important, but you can't only do phone calls. And uh, again, if you listen to future podcasts, we're going to get into that more. It's not the main topic I wanted to talk about today, but I'm just letting you know phone calls increasingly important that you make contact, uh, make early contact, establish that, uh, and and again, we'll teach you how to do it. We also have written a lot about how to do proper phone calls that still applies on the blog, on Honey Badger Recruiting, and on these podcasts. So uh, money, the social media component, and phone calls, big things to just sort of remind yourself of what you should be doing well and, and focusing on this year as we start the recruiting class. What I really want to talk about is what I am describing as the theater of status. Uh, what do I mean by the theater of status? Well, in our minds, if we buy something, we are assigning status to something. So if I mention the brand Nike, immediately you probably think of, yes, yeah, everywhere. It's a huge, successful, proven brand. A lot of times there is some uh, some brand significance to being a Nike school. You're able to use that in recruiting, and as it's another proof point that they should come to their, uh, come to your school. If I say McDonald's, well, you're probably not going to think of of uh, fine food, fine dining, uh, or even expensive food. You're going to think of fast food and tradition. I know what I'm going to get. I know how it tastes, uh, and either because of or in spite of that, I'm still going to go to McDonald's. If I'm in a crunch, I need food. Uh, if I see a McDonald's, it, there's some comfort in knowing what I'm going to get. And there is that, again, that, that plays into that theater of status. We assign status, uh, and, and your recruits do too, you know, how they think about a coach, a program, a school as consumers and buyers. We assign status. They assign status. And that's really important to know because we see a lot of coaches that do not pay attention to the brand that they are building for themselves and what they, more importantly, what they are communicating as a part of that brand to the consumers and and kids and parents making a buying decision. They are figuring out where to put our money, what are we going to spend it on, who are we going to spend it on. And even if you're a coach listening, Division One football coach, we have a lot of those that listen, Division One basketball, soccer. And you are you're offering full ride scholarships. Even if you're offering a full ride, there is still the value of a full ride. So I could name a really successful school in your sport, and you would say, "Well, yeah, of course that they're big time. Kids are going to want to go there. They're more apt to get a yes." Maybe that's true. I could name another school in that same conference, but at the bottom, or they haven't done anything in that sport for a while, and there is an immediate association. That's what I'm talking about: the theater of status in the minds of your recruits. Uh, one, one example that has been fascinating for me to sort of watch is Deion Sanders. Oh, yeah. 
Coach, did you know that Tudor Collegiate Strategies works with over 750 coaching staffs from all division levels, all sports, from all over the country? It's true. We help them create, manage, and execute their recruiting message for the prospects they really need. And we can do the same for you. Email us at dan at dantutor.com so we can explain how it works. Let's talk, Coach. And now, back to the show. So Deion Sanders, former NFL star, former baseball and NFL star, he played two sports and uh, had a very success, successful uh, NFL career, kind of backed off out of the limelight a little bit, and then all of a sudden comes comes back into the spotlight as a coach at Jackson State, an HBCU. Hadn't had a ton of success on the football field, a sort of up and down program, and I remember thinking when I heard that news, okay, is this, like, why is he doing this? Is there's, you know, he had coached um, uh, at the high school level for a while before when his uh, son was making his way through uh, through um, through high school and, and, and you know, junior high football. But, you know, is this some sort of joke? I mean, why does he need to do that? And, you know, he kept saying, no, we're going to build a winner here at Jackson State. And guess what? They did. They won. Uh, and the recruits came. And that was the fascinating part because if you're in any sport, you sort of would look at a, a Jackson State or an HBCU compared to or against a Power 5 school that might be competing for that same prospect. You would say, well, there's no way first-year coach Deion Sanders and Jackson State, an unsuccessful or, or back and you know, up-and-down program, is going to win. So they're not going to win a recruit like that. And guess what they did? He did it. The program did it. Um, why? Well, because he told a story. He created status. He gave kids a reason for being there. And that's how they built this program. There were, I will go in to say, too, there weren't huge increases in budget. There wasn't some amazing turnaround. They got this brand new facility. Um, there wasn't a big change in terms of what he had to work with. But what he worked with, he made work. And that focused on the brand. Now, granted, not all of us are Deion Sanders. We don't come in with that reputation. But if I'm making a buying decision, at some point it's going to come down to the fact if I'm a serious Division I football player, we know this because we talked to them, uh, I know that I have a chance maybe of going to the NFL. I want the best experience possible. Is Jackson State really the place? And yeah, Deion's cool, being fun to be maybe be that coach, but do we want to risk our career, risk our college career on a new coach at a place that's never won. And he got kids to do it. Now he makes the jump to the University of Colorado, Power Five. And you would think that, okay, uh, and again, a lot of people doubted, a lot of people questioned, a lot of people said, is this going to work? Can he do the same thing at Colorado that he did at Jackson State? Uh, because look, Colorado, from a football standpoint, as we enter this year, this fall of football season, uh, first year of Coach Deion Sanders coaching the Buffaloes, not a big destination school, uh, not the you know the wow facilities. It wasn't a, a destination school for recruits or coaches. I mean, there wasn't people beating down the door to to take you know to take that job, and, and certainly they had other good candidates, but Deion Sanders was the one that. Uh, that that got the job, and the point was, they, a lot of people doubted could he do it at a school like Colorado. 
Well, apparently, one game in as we record this podcast, he's going to be okay, folks. <laughs> Opening season win against TCU, very good school, uh, playoff school last year. And, you know, he's he's done it in a different way, too, because um, when he came into Colorado, what he said was, hey, we're going to clean house a little bit on the roster. I want to get different type of players in here. Very controversial. A lot of people didn't agree with that. Uh, and he let a lot of players out of their scholarship agreements. What he replaced them with, because that was a big question, are they going to be able to even compete because you just got rid of your, you know, a big bulk of your roster? Um, Coach Sanders, what the heck are you doing? Well, he brought in 50-plus transfers, but I find it interesting where they came from, which is the HBCUs. And so what's the perception? Well, perception was at HBCU, there's some good athletes there, but it's not as good as the regular Division I athletes, certainly not the Power Five athletes. And all Coach Deion Sanders did was bring in those transfers from H- the HBCU ranks, take them to Colorado, including his son, who's the quarterback, and they beat TCU, Texas Christian. Uh, and they didn't just squeak by. They they handled them. And so, we, again, we talk about perception. And all of this has meant, what, a status increase for Deion Sanders? Yes, because I think people now say, hey, the guy can coach. He's serious. I underestimated him before. But that brand that I thought was Deion Sanders, it's not. It's this other different brand, and it's winning. So I have now have this different perception in my mind uh, of his status as a coach based on what he was able to do. I also think there's a lot of people and a lot of recruits looking at HBCUs differently. Hey, if that's the talent that they have there, uh, maybe that isn't a, a fallback school. Maybe that should be our destination school if that's the right fit for us and what we're looking for in a college experience and everything. Okay, maybe that's the place. So it has raised and changed the status of HBCUs, um, and we work with some HBCU coaches in different sports. And I can tell you that it has, it has changed the status of those of those colleges. They're seeing an increase in interest, and it also has changed obviously the status of what it means to be a football player at Colorado, which coming into this year was you know was let's say defined maybe in a in a slightly negative way. Um, programs go up and down all the time, and so I'm not, you know, saying that it was always going to be that way. And Colorado, you know, has, uh, you know, a great tradition in, in football, but they've been down a little bit. Well, now that status increase playing for Deion Sanders at Colorado has changed what Colorado football means. My whole point is this: that athletes, both high school athletes being recruited as well as transfers coming in are making decisions on where to buy and how they consume and where they affiliate. All those things are being done based on what my perception is as that recruit in my mind of all those things, of Coach Sanders, of HBCUs, of Colorado. It has changed on a dime, and I think it's been fascinating to watch. All of this is kind of like pro wrestling. Um, So in pro wrestling, you have... This uh, status of affiliation I, and pro wrestling is not about the you know the, the the finer points of technically correct wrestling. Of course, it's a show um, because it's a show. It is meant to create 
tension and good guys and bad guys. So there's this status of affiliation in pro wrestling where who are you rooting for? Who are you affiliated with? Who do you see a little bit of yourself in in that person, that wrestler? Um, so status of affiliation, and what is the thing playing against it? It's who's dominant. So am I aligning myself with the dominant uh, wrestler, or am I aligning myself with the underdog, the person that needs to to you know fight it out, and can they do it? And you have all the storylines then woven in around those two things of affiliation and who's up and who's down, and it's the story that gets told. Now, of course, that story <laughs> is very managed when it comes to what the end product is and what we see if we're going to watch pro wrestling. Uh, but we kind of buy into that and we we're, we accept that because we know what it is. But there is not much difference in the way that this generation of recruit makes their decision on who they are going to affiliate with. It's the theater of status in their mind. It's status is not necessarily only wins. It's um, location in the country. It's the setting. It could be where um, my girlfriend's going to school. It could mean where my parents want me to go to school. Where is it located? Um, the degree, because I really want to get my master's in, in this field, and do they have it or they don't have it? All these things, we would call them decision points or facts that they're going to base their decision on. It's, it's the theater of status in their mind as a recruit. So I want to get you thinking about this as you start the year because I don't know that you've done a lot of thinking about it. I don't think you have, and you should because we're entering this very interesting time in college athletics and college recruiting where athletes are are being thrown a lot of different options, a lot of different storylines, and they're making their decisions more and more emotionally based on the story that they're told just like in pro wrestling, we decide who we're going to root for based on the story that we're told. So my questions for you, Coach, three of them. Question number one, what status are you assigning to yourself? What status are you assigning to yourself? As a coach who is out recruiting and telling a story and trying to get somebody that you want on a roster onto your roster, what status are you assigning yourself? That doesn't mean... Um, what do you brag about and how good can you be and what kind of uh, rainbows can you can you paint for them in, in the message? That's not what I'm talking about. Your affiliation, your status that you're assigning yourself might be as the underdog or it could be the coach that's coming in to change something like Coach Sanders has done now in two different programs. It could be um, the fact that you have won three straight championships or that you won your first one last year. Whatever it is, what status are you assigning yourself? Once you assign it, now your job is to build around it. Uh, so that brings us to question number two. How do you build it? Well, what story of status are you telling your recruits? Please don't get into the routine of only listing facts and figures and, and stats to them or just calling, texting, hey, how's it going? Hey, how was your game this weekend? Coach, that's not contact, I should say. It is contact. It's not building a relationship. It's not telling a story. It's not establishing your status. So um, it has to be more than just the text, the quick phone call, the social media note that says, how's it going? Or, hey, how is your game? Important in a small way in the, in the, the entire 
um, the ecosystem of, of everything that you're putting out as your story. We do want that personal relationship. We want the casual conversation. But too many coaches, ironically, especially in Division One, are relying so much on their brand and so much on their status that uh, as a as a program in a certain conference, maybe that finished in a certain way, that they're not explaining the story and telling your their recruits what that story is of that status. So that has to be as you, if you listen to us or read our stuff, you know, it is every six to nine days. Not just contacting them. That's not what I'm saying. Every six to nine days, putting something in front of them in writing, could be electronic writing, could be on a piece of paper, that explains the story, that it tells them, here's why you should want to be a part of us. Here's who we are. Here is the story of our status. You have got to put that in front of them on a regular basis. Because if you don't, and another coach does, that coach most of the time is going to win. So what is the story of status that you are telling your recruit? First of all, you have to assign it to yourself. That was point number one. Now it's telling a story around it. The third thing, what status story are you not telling them but should be? So are there things that you hold back in telling them who you are and they don't really find that out until they get to campus? And by the way, sometimes those things are negative they're not uh, good because you don't have the newest locker room. You don't have the biggest facility. You don't have 83 uniform combinations. Whatever it is and you withhold that, it now takes away from part of the story. And eventually when they figure out that that's part of your story, they're not happy that you didn't tell them about it. So when I ask the question, what status story are you not telling them? What I'm really saying is, are there things that would would be potential negatives that once you tell them and explain them and assign the status to that individual thing, that now fixes it or at least neutralizes it as an objection and what a competitor can come in and 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 use against you. It becomes part of your story. That's what I'm talking about. Um, so again, it might be a statistic. It might be facts. It might be a facility that you're not proud of. But, uh, but why should I align with your status and once I know that, um, I can take action. So your job as a recruiter is really to manage that theater of status that they're imagining. And it's all playing out in every single one of your recruits right now. As you're listening to this podcast, I promise you that all of your recruits that you've contacted so far in this class as well as maybe the next one, and will be the case for all future classes, as you begin talking to them, they are trying to assign a status to you. They're trying to brand you. They're trying to figure out who you are as a coach, as a program, as a school, if they're not familiar with you already. And that's the thing that we want to try to manage and, again, control and, and, and develop that theater of status. And, again, I use that word theater. There is a little bit of crafting of a story behind it. We don't want to lie. We're not saying to trick them. But when you go to the theater, what are we going for? We're going for the story. And yeah, we're going to be entertained a little bit. And certainly, Coach Deion Sanders at Colorado is an entertaining guy to listen to. He's an entertaining coach to interact with. Um, so that's that's part of who he is. There's a lot of other successful coaches that don't have that personality that do just fine. So it's not about personality. It's about who I am and how I assign that thing theater of status to the people who I want to have a certain definition, definition come, uh, come away with a certain definition. Um, 
Coach, that's the challenge, I think, as you start this year, is what status are you assigning yourself? What story of status are you telling your recruits? And what status story are you not telling them but should be? Because we don't want to let the competition tell them about it, define it negatively, and then have that come back to, uh, to hurt you later. So we're going to get into a lot more of this as we uh, as we go through the episodes here in season eight. You can go back and and talk a lot. Uh, or I'm sorry, listen a lot to um, previous podcasts that go through this. You can go to all the different written resources we have uh, at DanTutor.com that I mentioned at the top of the show. But coach, take action. Be in control of how you manage and assign this theater of status to your recruits. If you do, you're going to have a very successful recruiting year. If we can help, let us know. But do this, Coach, and you will not be sorry, and it will kick off the 23-24 recruiting year in ways that maybe you didn't imagine before. So good luck. Go do it. College Recruiting Weekly is a production of Tudor Collegiate Strategies, copyright 2023 and 2024. To contact the host, email him at dan at dantutor.com. Also, remember to rate and review our podcast right now. Plus, tell your fellow coaches about the show. And stay tuned for the next amazing episode of the College Recruiting Weekly Podcast.